Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Hey, everybody, welcome. A special edition of Knowles 24-7's On the Bench, little one, well, two-on-one interview series. I'm here with Brendan Sinone, and we are talking with a very busy, very important man. That is the director of strength and conditioning for Florida State University, Mr. Josh Storms. Coach, you look like a million bucks. Hair's growing out a little bit, nice tan. How, how are we feeling in the middle of uh, off-season workout season? No, I'm doing good. I'm, we're, we're just uh, about midway through week five right now, uh, creeping up on the discretionary week, which is the guys off week, then the big three week push as we lead into camp here at the end. So can't complain, man. Guys working hard, just trying to, I'm, try, I'm trying to do my part to stick with them and, and off we go. I can't wait. So for the fans out there, what point in the strength and condition calendar are we in? Obviously you said it's the discretionary week. What comes afterward? What's the focus of this time for this couple months before the season starts? Okay, so it kind of starts with the calendar. Um, The way the NCAA rule works is you can start your summer program nine weeks before you report to training camp. And of those nine nine weeks, one week's an off week, uh, which we typically schedule on the 4th of July. Give those guys a chance to kind of hit that midpoint of summer training, you know, get a chance to, you know, get back home, spend some time with family, refresh mentally and physically a little bit before we come back. And we got a big three big push as we lead into camp uh, here at the end. Um, so that's kind of, it kind of dictates kind of where we're, where we're at in the year. Um, you know, then as far as like, you know, this first, this first part of the, the, summertime you know you're looking at a lot of things you know you're, you're always you're always working to develop strength and power you know speed right. all those things but then as we get closer and closer through the summer you know you start looking at you know what is the job we're actually training the guys to go do you mm-hmm. know what i mean at the yeah. end of the day at the end of the day they're not getting ready for a powerlifting meet or a track meet you know what i mean we're getting ready to go play football in the way that we play football in the way that we practice football during camp so a lot of our, you know, our speed work, our conditioning work, all those things are structured to to look, feel, and get the same response that we would, you know, get, look, and feel during a practice. How specialized do you get with that? Do you do, is it is it for units like offense and defense? Is it specialized drills for position group? Do you get into, like, interior defensive line versus, like, edge? Like, how, how detailed does it get? How specific? You know, the, the, the biggest the biggest thing we look at is, you know, with working with Jackson Schaefer, our director of sports science, you know, we, we fall back on what the, what the data tells us from from previous experience. You know, so looking at what our camp practices looked like last year from position group to position group, side of ball oh, okay. to side of ball. And so that we know we know that gives us that gives us an actual real target. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for whatever now, 20 I don't know, 24 seasons, something like that. So like, I can look back on a lot of experience, like anecdotal evidence, like, Oh, this worked when we did this. Well, it helps more when you can look at that GPS to give me an actual defined target to shoot for. So then we can say, well, I know this stuff has worked before, but I can break that down and say, well, is this actually meeting the need for what we're getting ready to go do? And then there's times where we can make some slight tweaks to it. 
from maybe a tempo standpoint or a work rest recovery standpoint uh, to get a little bit closer to what practice feels like. And so we implemented uh, our two big, two of our big condition days in the summer are in conjunction with our skills and drill sessions, which is our football work we do in the mornings with the coaches. And part of the reason we do that is, is the one thing yokes you know, with, uh, you know, limits on time and whatnot. The All one right. thing that I don't get to replicate in timing or in, in training is time on feet. You know, and that's that's practice. You know, once you go out, you know, stretch starts a certain time. We know when we're off the field. And, you know, the fact is I only have so many hours during the week. So for us, we put that conditioning either within that session or on the back end of those sessions. And and the best feedback from that is guys leave the field on one of those days. Like, God, coach, man, that, 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 felt, like, that felt like a Tuesday practice. Good. That's a win. <laughs> that's exactly right, what I yeah. feel like. And we can go back to the data and look at our player loads and our yardage and our high speed yards, change of directions, explosive efforts, all those things, and look at and say, hey, what we did today on this day in June is exactly what we're preparing those guys to do come August in camp. And I, I think you were exactly correct. You started as an intern with the Vikings in 2001. So I think you're 23 years, 24 seasons in. So I think, once again, 100% right with the data there. It goes um, fast. Yeah, I, I bet, man, especially with how hard you work. Do you adjust so that the team strength and conditioning goals, you, you talked about how detailed you get into in the historical data. Do you change the overall team strength and conditioning goals based on maybe like the talent, athleticism of the roster, maybe the goals if you have like higher team like performance goals on the field? Or do you always have a set criteria that you try to keep it in every year as your benchmark? Um, not an exciting answer. The answer is yes and no both. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and so, and, and so, kind of the way it goes. I mean, here's the thing: strength, power, speed will always have a home in football, no matter what, no matter how the game changes, no matter what. Those things are always with the sports based upon. And if you can be a lead in those categories, you got a good chance come game day, right? Mm-hmm. And you always have guys that fall across that spectrum as where they're at in their career of progressing to those upper levels. Okay, but your roster changes a lot year to year. You know what I mean? So you're always going to have some of the same similarities. So kind of what you get down in your specifics of like your training program, just let's just say in the weight room, for example, is you're looking at like your, your older level elite guys who are a little bit closer to the genetic ceiling of what they're ultimately capable of. You're looking at kind of your veteran guys who are closing the gap on that. And then you're looking at your newcomers below that who are just starting the process. Okay. And so of those three groups, all three of those groups are going to have different needs. And it may not be a completely different need as like what exercise they're doing. You know, it made my, my young guys coming in, like they're earlier in the progressions of the more technical stuff of their back squat, front squat, power clean, those Olympic movements, you know, they're, they're learning the base level stuff on that. Whereas like those two groups above that, they're professionals movements already. So you always kind of look at the three hows of strength. Like first, how, like, how do you do it? How is your technique? How do you perform this movement? Right. Well, once that's, once that's proficient, you kind of move on to how strong, how strong can you possibly get? right or how powerful can you possibly get and that's kind of that middle group and then ultimately that last group that becomes how fast how fast can you be strong how much force can you produce and that gets into those older guys and even like one of the differences you'll see in those two groups is sometimes it's just simple it's just moderation of, the, of their training volume whereas a guy who's not quite as genetic ceiling yet that guy might be able to hit whatever i'm just i'm, I'm gonna throw out just generic number sure. he, you know he could go you know five sets of five at 80 percent, no problem Okay, because he's not he's not close to his genetic ceiling yet. I take a guy who's an upper level strength guy who's already very strong, who is getting really, really close to being altered what his body is fully capable of. Five by five at 80 is going to tax that guy big time. Right. So can he can he do it? Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight, though. And then he's got to be able to recover from that. Whereas the guy who's not quite there yet, 
that five by five at 80 is fine because he's still not close to that top of the ceiling yet. His body's still capable of much more. Okay. And so it's moderating the volume on some of those guys. So like, you know, if we're getting up, you know, upper percents we're you know, 90 plus percent, you know, right. my young guys, may, my young guys might be hitting triples on that. Whereas like my vet guys might be hitting, working up to like one to two singles at that because ultimately they both groups regardless have to be able to recover from that work and you need, they need that training stimulus to be able to, to be able to produce those gains without digging them in too deep of a hole to be able to display those qualities you said the term genetic ceiling is that something that you guys can determine with all the data you have or is that something just based on projection i mean body composition like is that something that you know definitively or can get within good striking distance of yeah i mean I, it's nothing you, it's nothing you're gonna pinpoint definitively it's not like you look at a kid and be like hey 600 pounds that's that kid's number if he ever hits that that's the highest he's ever going to get right not, not, right not not necessarily you know what i mean that is watching your guys knowing your guys knowing when this guy's getting you know kind of up to his peak levels of strength you know like i look at a guy um all right a great a great example is uh is uh Kedre, Ke- uh keandre jones so he squatted 675 this last winter my okay? god <laughs> i mean that's that's one of the top three highest squats i've ever seen of a college athlete any sport period okay so I can go to the drawing board and find a way to get that guy to 700, right? Or does that additional 25 pounds of strength, is that going to make him a big, a markedly better player on the field? Cause he can squat 25 pounds more now than he did then when oh, you're already, okay. when you're, when you're already that strong, probably not. Now, if that guy can bend better, move better, move that weight at a faster velocity, does that make him better? I'd say it does. So then that becomes the focus with those guys. Whereas if you got a younger guy and you know he squatted, you know, 385 last winter, that guy still has to get strong. And right. that, that, and, that, and by putting that work in, we can keep pushing those numbers along the way. But as you start getting those peak numbers, you start asking yourself, like, is the juice worth the squeeze in those last five to ten pounds? Especially with a dude like that that's that strong, like the the stakes are a lot higher when you have that kind of weight on your back, right? And Absolutely. so you got so so it, it's be, it's being smart with those guys, but still pushing a training stimulus to, to cause to cause adaptation development in that guy. Right. So you're causing not distress, but um, I guess discomfort, but in a smart, safe way, in the way that's going to be most applicable to the football field. And I think that's interesting. Do you have those just quickly? Do you have individual plans for every single player? You know, not so much every single player. We kind of like our players kind of like fall into buckets, like where they're at developmentally, and then not only where they're at developing, but but like where where do their qualities lie? Um, you know, talking about Jackson, like one of the things he always talks about, like qualities of guys, they kind of fall into like you're either an elephant, a rhino, or a cheetah. You know, that's kind of like okay, kind of yeah. that's kind of like your three categories of player, right? Yeah. And so you might you might have a guy who's who's a true rhino, but maybe because of what he's doing, say say that's your D end, okay. But maybe he's a guy that also runs down on kickoff, right? Well, that's a guy that maybe needs some more cheetah qualities sprinkled into his training. You know, sometimes yeah. it's looking how a guy how a guy moves. You a guy that's very very strong, but he's not a huge rate of force development, not a super twitchy guy. That guy, that's a guy that's gonna need a little more speed, a little more dynamic effort work sprinkled into his training. Whereas you might have that guy who is, you know, he is a he's a he's a true cheetah. But maybe that guy still needs some body mass, needs some size, needs some more strength to be effective his position. Well, that's a guy maybe needs a little more of those, you know, kind of rhino qualities pushed into his training to develop some strength, develop some body mass to help him be, become a little more efficient in the field. Like he could be a super talented guy, but, you know, if he's still, you know, 20 pounds below his optimal weight, well, that's a guy that needs some strength, needs some mass to be able to go out there and ultimately become the player that his 
his you know genetics are pushing him towards being. See, I love when you start talking numbers. I'm an idiot coach. You kind of lose me. You bring into the animal kingdom. I'm in. Got I it. understand fully. <laughs> I understand the full of the lighter combinations. Coach, like you said, you've had a very distinguished career. You coached under a lot of coaches at Arizona State. You coached under Dirk Cutter, Dennis Erickson, uh, Todd Graham, Mike Norvell's predecessor. You coach. You coach with Mike. What are some of the traits? that Mike Norvell emphasizes in his players that he wants out of your program that maybe differs or, and if you could contrast it with some of the other coaches that you worked with, you know, you know, contract contrast is hard. Every, every coach has kind of got their, their philosophy or their, you know, even level of, you know, involvement with the day-to-day action that happens down here. Um, You know, with, with coach, it's a lot of like, we, we try to have a seamless blend between how those guys are coached on the football field, how they're coached in the weight room. We, okay. we try to use much crossover terminology as possible. You know, so like if we're, if we're out, you know, if we're coaching speed work, we want to use the same terms. Those guys hear the field, you'll, you'll hear about, you know, how we do our arm drive, how we lead with top numbers. And those are all just coaching views that I could, I could, I could coach those same things like a coach or like a speed coach, but that's a totally different vocabulary than what they're going to hear with football. So I got to be able to take those, take why they're doing it for football, you know, right. Then that, that, that it's, it's the, it's the daily consistency to, to, to bring your best to the table every day. Right. You know, ultimately we're all chasing best. We're all chasing elite. Well, if you want to do that, you have to be able to stack those days up one after another. You got to be your best every day. And if my best tomorrow can be 1% better than my best today, that that's good. That is the goal. Does that mean I'm there yet? No, it just means I'm making progress. I'm getting better than I was yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago to be a little bit better tomorrow when I come out. And if I can bring my best effort to the table every day, ultimately that, that I'm, that's, I'm living the standard of the program at that point. So I, I had a question about autonomy versus collaboration, but it sounds like I think you answered that question. You, how, how often are you and Mike talking about the, the players' gains in the offseason, the development of your program? How involved is he from helping you develop your program for the team, or does he kind of leave that a little bit more hands-off to you, expertise as far as the individual, the individual exercises and things of that nature? You know, we'll have a, we'll have a ton of collaboration on the calendar, on the schedule, on all the on all the pre-planning stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and then after you know a, a, a decade together, like I know what the end product needs to look like, right? And and he he trusts he trusts me to do my job to give him the end result of what he's looking for when we take the field cup case. And then along the way, there's there's a lot there's a lot of like daily check in. You're know, like let me break down the you know, the GPS reports and the workloads and stuff day to day. There's some, there's some, um, there's always communication on that. Like, you know, are all of our groups staying on par with what they need? You know, right. are we, are we too high here? Are we too low there? Just, just keep it, keep an eye day to day on the data, making sure that we're all on the same page and understand like what we're pushing for, what weeks are going to be push weeks, what weeks that we're maybe pulling back on purpose to get a desired result. Um, always stay on the same page with that type of stuff. And then obviously there's a lot of communication on the guys individually, you know, like who's, Who's excelling? Who is struggling? Who's who's showing great progress? Who seems like they're you know stuck or stalled out or maybe is going through some life stuff we don't know about because they don't seem like themselves right now? Let's get to the bottom of that and figure that out too. Um, so that that's a lot of the communication. As far as like you know the the X's and O's and what percentage are we at or you know how many reps of this are we running like like that that's a coach that's him go do your job. Okay, you know. Um, but then it's 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 the 
you know, the, the more the overall cultural stuff, like how are we working? How is our accountability? What's our leadership look like? Those types of things. Sure. And you, you talked about end product and it, 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 talking about things going in the blink of an eye. It's you guys got here at the end of 2019, it, the team's on a totally different plane than it was now. Now you coming in mm-hmm. as a strength and conditioning coach, you are one of the foremost builders of the culture just because you spend so much time with the guys. How did that that 2019 FSU roster come in? How did that compare? What did they need to work on? What have they had? What have they needed to work on over the years? And how did they compare to that 2019 Memphis team? I know it's two totally different levels of football, but you're talking about a historically successful Memphis football team versus a team with Florida State that needed a regime change. What just? How did those two teams compare from going? Because it's such a, a contrast from what you came from to what you came to. Yeah, I feel like we're going back in time here. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's anytime you take anytime you come into a new program, regardless of the uh, regardless of the program's current situation, every every situation is going to be unique from the makeup of the kids to what that current roster of kids has been through in their careers. You know what their training history looked like, and it, it doesn't even matter who the prior strength coach was, because no matter what you do is going to be different. It doesn't right. mean it's better. It doesn't mean it's better. It doesn't mean it's worse. But it's going to be different. The the demands will be different. The the, the vocabulary is different. So everything's different, right? And there's a level of anxiety that comes with that of trying to learn, trying to prove yourself. A lot of teaching going on, all those things. Um, and you know, comparing those two teams is tough because you know, you're talking about a. a 2019 team in Memphis where we've been building that team for four years, you know? So we were then getting, you know, kind of to where we are at now here, you know? Okay. And, and, and our year one there was definitely not like the fourth year, just like our year one here is definitely not like where we're at now, you know? Um, and so it, 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 ta- it takes time. You know, like when we first got here, like for, for a good portion of that team, we were their third coaching staff in their college career. Right, right. And, and, and that's and that's tough to go through. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to spend 11 seasons at Arizona State and went through three head coaches there. So I, I've, I've been with kids on the inside of that as they go through those coaching changes. And, you know, the culture changes, the rules change, the, you know, everything changes midstream. So now that, you know, this place they chose to go play, to go play for a certain staff, now all of that has changed. You know, and, and some guys are all for it. Some guys that, you know, the new regime is not what they were looking for. And for some guys, the new regime is exactly what they needed to get a new lease on life to be successful too. you know, and, and you're going to run the gamut top to bottom on that. Um, so a lot of that's trying to, trying to, trying to meet those kids where they're at and bring them along on that path to, 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 to that state of the program that you're looking for in, in the new, in the you know new regime that you're, that you're part of. Um, and then that takes time. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's not always for everybody, but for some guys, it's exactly for them. Um, and once again, it's, it's, it's time, it's teaching. And, and the most important thing above all is it's consistency. Sure. It's those guys, it's those guys know what to expect and what they're going to get from a cultural coaching standpoint, from a work standpoint, from an expectation standpoint, every day that they come to work. And, when that consistency is there, one, like if those guys can learn anything from me and our program, it, it's the importance of the consistency. Like I was saying all the time, like consistency is a superpower because so mm-hmm. few people have it um, or truly understand it or understand the value of it. And if those guys can can feel that on a day-to-day basis and then over time see the value in that, what that's brought to them or where that's gotten those around them, then, then things will start to grow. Okay. Brandon, I know you had some questions for Coach too. What up, Josh? How's it going? Doing good. So you, you've mentioned a couple of things that are interesting to me, uh, like genetic ceilings. You've mentioned GPS. You've mentioned having like sports science involved. But then you're also talking about things like 
like culture and things going on in a player's personal life. So like, as we're in this point in the off season, you're working with these guys so closely, like how much of what you're monitoring on a day-to-day basis is like scientific side of it versus the human part. Like what, I guess, what's the ratio of, of what you do as as science-based versus say anecdotal, like art-based almost. Yeah. And and it's it's funny you say art-based. Um, when I worked for Mark Philippi at UNLV, who was the world's strongest man at that point, um, one of the, one of the best coaches I've ever worked for, and you know he'll you know he'll always talk about like you know everybody wants to learn programming this and that and the science, and he goes, you can't ever forget like this is as much of an art as it is a science, and and that kind of that's kind of how I've always conducted our deal because you you do have to be both. You know what I mean? If if you're all artists and there's no scientific backing to anything you do, that, that might not be the best move, right? Just at the same time, if you're just the science guy and the book says this, well, then you're taking out what real life is too. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it's probably 50-50. It kind of depends on what we're looking at. And I think the biggest thing that the technology has brought to us you know, and like for me, I was I, I coached for a long time before GPS was even a word you ever heard, let alone a word you ever heard applied to coaching. And and so I was explaining the, the GPS thing like this is where this is where it's helpful. So, you know, if you're if you're my age and you grew up and your TV in your house was like a 19 inch glass tube TV, you know, you you had your four channels and you turned to ABC on Sunday to watch a football game, right? Well. You could kind of read the names in the back of the jerseys. You could definitely read the number. And you still saw the same plays, and you still saw football get played out, right? Well, if I take that same TV now and put that next to the 80-inch LED you have in your living room probably today, well, it's still the same game. It's the same plays that are happening, it's the same physicality, but now I have more information than I had before. I can definitely read the name of the jersey. I can tell you a color of a guy's eyes. I can read his tattoos. I can see an expression on his face, whether a play goes good or bad or whatnot. So even though I'm watching the same game, watching the same things play out, now I have way, way deeper information as to what's really going on. And so for me, that's what the GPS provides for me. I can, I can watch this go out and condition on a day like that. Like, yeah, the guys ran hard. You know, my eye tells me that. Well, I can look at the GPS report when Jackson shoots it over to me here shortly, and I can tell you exactly how hard we ran. And I can tell you exactly was that hard enough to have us ready to go do what we're going to do when camp starts. Okay. Now, on the, on the same same token that I might have a guy who struggled today, right? And I looked at the numbers. I'm like, man, this guy, this guy was this guy was dragging a little bit today. Well, then you start thinking, okay, well, that's a guy that usually excels. What you know, what what's going on? This wasn't just a bad performance. There's very likely something else going on in this kid's life. There's something else that's weighing on him right now because what I saw today isn't characteristic of that guy. So now is where you get away from the science and you go into the more the more personal part of it, the more artist part of it, the more coach's eye part of it to try to figure it, get to the bottom of what's, of what's actually going on. Just like trying to figure out you know, what drives guys, what motivates guys. There's no science in the world that's going to tell you that. That's where you have to know your kids. You got to spend the time building relationships and, and start getting a feel for those things. And what, what makes those guys tick? Is Jordan Travis an example of that being that 50-50 proposition of, of science and art, like where you've seen him grow as a as a person as a young man uh from a from an emotional leadership standpoint and as well as the physical growth yeah i mean i mean i mean, I mean kind of every guy's 50 50 right um right. you know the biggest thing with jordan has been it's been time in the program it's time into him developing into his own man it's time of him becoming com- not just confident but confident to the point of taking true ownership of what his role is within florida state football not just today but in the big picture of it um and those things don't happen overnight, you know, like those are always qualities he had in him. But like some guys, it, it, it might take me the time to put that that resume on field together that backs up where my heart's coming from. 
you know, so that when, when I do speak as a leader, like, yes, guys have seen me live it out every day and, you know, how I, how I come to work and how I do those things. They've also seen me do it on the field. Now that gives me supreme confidence that when, when I talk, that my voice carries weight, you know, and, and just seeing him grow into the ownership of that role, I think has been the biggest change. Because Jordan's been a guy, Jordan's always been a hard worker. He's always been a high performer. He's always been all those things, right? And what you've seen is just the, the and I don't mean like maturity versus immaturity, but like maturing into that role, feeling the power of that role, how you how you use the power of that role, and then the confidence to to initiate those moments when you need to. Two players I wanted to ask about that I think our, our fan base is, is really excited about and their ascending defense alignment, Pat Payton and Josh Farmer, both guys from mm-hmm. same class, uh, but both have like, I think what I'm, I'm interested in exploring, Josh, is like they both came in at much different weights and sizes mm-hmm. than they are now. As you guys are evaluating them, you know, three classes ago to where they are now, I guess, like, what are you looking at in terms of frame, size, projecting, that kind of stuff? And, and it's like, like, what has it been like for you to see those guys have that success to develop, I guess, in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, the, the progress the, the progress you see with guys, like, that's what excites me about the job is, is growth and progression. Like, that's what, that's what fires me up. Like, seeing, you know, whatever, a kid comes in, it's super strong. Like, hey, it's cool to see him be strong. Like, yeah, that's exciting too. But to, to see guys actually grow and progress, because that, that, that takes work and it takes consistency, and that's the stuff that, that gets me fired up. But, like, you know, you go back to, like, Josh Farmer's first day on campus, he's, like, 253 pounds. And, you know, he's like, coach, like, how, how, how big do you think I'm going to get? I said, Josh, I'm like, in a year and a half, you're going to be like 305 pounds and you're going to be a three technique and you'll be a real problem. Oh, I could, I could never get that big. I could never get that big. All right. Fast forward 18 months, the kid's 314 pounds, you know, um, and, and, you know, strong kid, hard worker. And, you know, Josh's biggest challenge that he stepped up to is his level of conditioning and his work capacity and be able to go out there and do it over and over and over again and you know wear that fatigue the right way and you know show toughness and show maturity in his body language and those things and that, that's a guy that's made huge steps in that area you know and then you got a guy like pat pat comes in and you know you see you'd see you saw the flashes on film and you saw like what what type of player he's capable of being but he was a guy that needed to go build the machine capable of doing that at a high level you know and he's been a tremendously hard worker and pat's a a a wear his heart on his sleeve guy and he is not afraid to be genuine and be himself and actually be able to show and display how much he cares about the game and how much he cares about being great and that carries over to how that guy comes to work and the progression he's shown in here as well how does your approach change with with like okay so those are two guys who came in as, as true freshmen mm-hmm. compared to say like a like a daryl jackson or brandon fist sticking with the defensive line guys who are yep. further along in their physical development their college careers they've had other messages i guess how does that change how you work with those guys or does it yeah so you know with those with those guys as guys come in like you know you know, you might have a portal, you know, like a, like a fist comes in, he's a true one-year guy or like a guy like Daryl comes in that you may have for a few years. Um, part of it is you, you got to accelerate the relation, relationship building process, right? Cause I, I can't view those guys like, well, I'm going to get, you know, three, four, five years with this guy. No, I might get the next 12 months with this guy. So like, we got to like, we got to skip some steps. Right. And, and you know, I, I have to talk with those guys when we get here, like my relationship, with those guys has to be built on being open and honest and transparent. Cause I got to figure out where they're at, what they're capable of, what makes them go, how I can push those guys. So it's a lot of like trying to figure those guys out. You know, you got to kind of determine what their training background is and where they're coming from, you know, what stuff was, uh, what stuff was a big focus in their prior 
you know, in the, in the program they came from, what stuff was not a focus in the program they came from. So like I figure out what are they going to be good at for us and what are they not going to be very good at? You know, and then how can I help them when they encounter that stuff they're not good at to be able to keep the confidence? Because when you bring those guys in, you're bringing a guy who's a proven player, a good player, eyes already on that guy to be a dude, right? Well, if they start to encounter a bunch of stuff that they are not good at, that they are subpar at just because they haven't been exposed to it, that, that, can, that can hurt that confidence. That, that, that can shake those guys a little bit because they know they're being viewed a certain way. So it's, it's helping those guys through that. So how to overcome that, how to address that stuff, how to become better in those areas so they can be successful across the board. And then the stuff that, that there's already strengths to them, let them lean into those strengths to really kind of show out what they're capable of and whatnot while you try to bring up those other areas. Trey, I'm going to loop you back in here. I'm going to have you make a, an editorial decision. Do, should we ask Josh about Dane's wrist size theory and projection, or do you want to just finish it off like normal? normal? Go ahead. Just, just make it quick, because this yeah, is like a got? thing that's come into – people are talking about this. I don't know, Brendan. Go ahead. Is this like a real thing? Like I, I actually would like to know this. So, well. so, so Dane Draper, our intern, spends a ton of time watching football, learning about it, reading about it, and now has gotten interested in player development. He's drawn this fascination, and I want to make fun of him about it, but I think he, there's something there about, like, the wrist size of a player being projectable, like, to growth of what they're going to be from, say, 17, 16 years old to what they'll be when they're done in a program. Like, it, it, bone structure and wrist specifically, is that something you guys weigh or value? Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that, that's been ever-present since the dawn of time. I mean, you're looking at – you're trying to evaluate a guy's frame, right? And, you know, you got a kid that's in high school, and yeah, he's probably not doesn't have the the muscular development and stuff yet. But the frame is the frame. That's the one thing I cannot change. Right. I can fill the frame out, but I can't change the frame. Right. right. So if a kid comes up with a slight build and you look at him and you, and you, you know, you're kind of looking at the, you know, the, the width of his shoulders. You know, you look at wrists, elbows, knees, ankles, kind of how the guy's skeleton is proportioned. Right. And if you got a guy with a very fine bone structure, that's a guy who's going to have a much harder time developing up in size and weight and strength maybe if it's if you're already looking at guys to be a reach to get in there developmentally now if it's a guy you're looking at you're like man we really like this guy as a player man, he's still pretty small but like you know we like what we see and i'm looking at the kid and like you can tell he's got big bone structure cool that's a guy that's going to blow up when he gets into a college program into a weight room and so you know i can i can look back at tons of guys over kind of the history of recruiting you know, some of these old linemen you bring in and they're 250 or 260 on a visit, but you look at him and it's like, this kid's got a size 18 shoe and his elbows are this wide and his knees are twice as big as his legs. Like that's a guy that's going to develop up into a 305, 315 pound guy, you know, just like the, sometimes guys will come in like, yeah, this is a guy that's, you know, 250 needs to be 300. And you're looking at the frame. You're like, it, it's not in the cards. Not, not, not with any kind of good body composition anyways. So yeah, the, the develop it, um, developing evaluating the guys you know bone structure and stuff that's a, that's a huge piece um you know our, our coaches here do a really good job of that recruiting and then we do have questions on guys and guys are at camps and whatnot like that's the thing i'm always looking at you know because i know eventually this guy shows up my doorstep it's my job to get that guy ready to go help us win football games so i want to have a pretty good idea what where i think that guy's gonna go once he gets plugged into the program and that's a that's a pretty pretty good indicator right now is there anything scientific about it no, but that's what we'll you go back to the previous 24 years of experience of what you've seen guys be able to do. And I think even if you go back, uh, Bill Walsh had a book. I'm trying to think, uh, I think maybe it's The Winning Edge. It's about that thick and it looks like the Bible. And it's he basically <laughs> breaks down every aspect of everything in a professional football organization by position group, by what type of secretaries you hire, like, I mean, everything. 
but there's a section in there that talks pretty in depth about that, how he would, you know, uh, talk about old linemen and like limb size and stuff like that for guys that are effective and, and, and whatnot. So like, yeah, it's definitely a real thing. <sighs> I can't be big for my wrist, dude. I, that's why I want to get a tape measure out. I want to. I gotta check my frame. That was, that was actually really good. That ended up being really good, dude. Give Dana a pat on the back there, Brendan. Uh, Coach, just a couple more questions, uh, and then we can get you out of here. Back to doing what you do, athletically, from a strength and conditioning standpoint. What do you think are the specific strengths of the 2023 Florida State Seminoles, and some guys? that have been really shining in the off-season program that have really been putting in the work that nobody's seen so far to contribute in a big way on the field this year? You know, strength with us is we have a really good blend of, of veteran guys who have been in the program that are very established, who have done a tremendous job, whether they know it or not, of setting the example and showing the standard daily and modeling that for the young guys coming to the program. And all that does to those young guys, it accelerates their process. Because like if you don't have guys to show that to you, then you're trying to figure it out on your own, and mm-hmm. that takes long. That takes longer. Whereas if I'm a young guy, I'm whatever. I'm Conrad Hussey, and I just got here, right? Well, I can look at guys like Shaheen Brown and Kevin Knowles and Renardo Green and Jerry and Jones and those guys day in day out. Like, oh, that is what I need to be good because then for me that helps speed conrad's process up and then also it it puts more ownership on those older guys within your team and this this roster this year we've got a really really good blend of that like every position group has some very established high snap big career guys they got some of those guys the in-between guys that maybe not everybody knows about yet they're getting close and there's a couple exciting young guys in all those groups too. And you kind of look at each position group has kind of that same kind of three level breakdown within it. And, uh, and that's good because you have those guys in the middle, they're putting pressure on those guys who are established, right? Mm-hmm. You got those young guys coming in, they're showing what they're capable of that kind of puts some guys on notice and stuff as well too, that they know that, man, I got to push every day to keep my, keep my head start that I have on this guy, you know? And that just drives count. That just drives the daily competition and everything we do, whether we're on the practice field, doing football work, whether we're conditioning, whether we're in the squat rack, wherever. Um, and so it's that, it's that daily competition. And then the, the thing that this team has is, is it's, it's the relationships and brotherhood in this team. I know we use that word brotherhood here a lot, but like you see how these guys interact with each other. You see how tight this team is. You see the different ways, different position groups or different sides of the ball try to uh, bring the best out of each other. And everybody's got their own style and own method of how that happens, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but you see, you see the willingness to do that. You see their willingness to like, tell a guy, yo, like that wasn't your best rep, man. Like, like you're, you're better than that to get a team to actually have the ownership to do that. Like people don't realize how huge that is. I think a lot of times people just assume that, Oh, that's just how it is. And in all reality, it's not, um, no. but when you can get a team where like that just starts becoming a normal thing and it's the cultural norm in your locker room and how you work, that is where you can start to see special stuff have the potential to happen. Uh, all right, last one, this fun one. So you've coached a lot of dudes in your career, guys like Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, Kenny Gainwell, Jalen Strong, Demarius Randall, Ryan Terrain, all those guys. Who is the big, and including all the FSU guys, who's the biggest athletic freak that you've ever coached, like in the weight room, and what is the craziest feat of strength that you've seen over your 24-year career? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, only the tough ones for you, coach. No, no that, that 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 is me because I don't I, like. I've seen I've seen some pretty wild stuff, and I don't want to like. <laughs> there's there's certain ones like I don't want to omit. You know, sure, um, yeah, I got you. I mean, we had a. Uh, this goes back probably in two thousand. 
seven probably at Arizona State. So we had a, a JUCO DB we signed from Southern California. And that spring during spring ball, he was coming up and visiting quite a bit, just kind of being around while he was finishing his AA. And like, you know, big talk, like he, he reminded you a lot of Jerry Jones, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so we got some guys who were doing some reconditioning with during practice, a bunch of veteran old linemen that were working through some, potent, some, uh, some surgeries and whatnot. And, you know, so this DB is always over there you know, how fast he is and how athletic he is. And he's this, he's that. And <laughs> one of those guys one day is like, bro, like I've heard you talk for like a month now. Like, why don't you show it? Like, why don't you run a 40? Like, like show me that you're really this. So this dude goes down there. He's got like denim shorts on that are like calf length, you know, cause it's like 2006, <laughs> you know, yes, he's got, exactly. he's yeah. got, got high top untied air force ones on and like a John Elway, Mitchell and Ness throwback Jersey. So goes down to the end of the 40, like, his warm up was, I think he touched his toes maybe once and he just put the Velcro strap closed on his shoes. Oh, he went to sport mode on the shoes. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, and then just simply took the jersey off. Mind you, you're still running in, in giant denim shorts. <laughs> gets, gets up in his 40 stance, puts the wrong hand down, and then runs four, four, and, th- and then runs four, four, nine cold. Oh my God. And it was like, everybody just kind of looks at each other and it was like, all right then. All right. That's like, that's, 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 you know, that's putting your, putting the action where your, where your mouth is for sure. Um, but I mean, th- th- there's been, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I've seen, you know, like, you know, I've seen some guys that are super strong. I've seen some explosive stuff out of guys, you know, that was just, that's one that sticks out. Cause like there's not many humans out there that can go do that. Right. Cold, not prep for it, dress like that, the whole deal. So like, I mean, there's, there's been, I mean, there's been a ton of stuff over my career. Like it's hard when you think back to like how many times you've seen, those out there, you mm-hmm. know, physical actions where you're like, yeah, that's not a normal person. Like not everybody, not everybody can go do that. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm glad I asked that question. Well, coach, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Any final messages for the Florida state fan base before we let you go back and do the 9 million things you got to do after this. No, we just appreciate everybody's support. Looking to see everybody in Orlando. We roll out there against LSU. And if you don't need to worry about us, man, we'll be here working if you need to find us. That's awesome, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Yep, absolutely, guys. Appreciate you having me on. You bet. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.